Cherie Caldwell is the former head of diversity, equity, and inclusion for a tech firm and the former region vice president of human resources for a major media company. In that role, she led HR for a $5 billion revenue business that spanned seven states and over 100 locations and a workforce of 5,600 employees. She was laid off in 2023, and instead of returning to becoming another corporate VP, she decided to walk away from her corporate role and finally let go of her corporate identity. She decided to return to being an entrepreneur, but this time she redefined herself as an entrepreneur and relaunched a business that is better aligned with who she is today. Cherie is a diversity thought leader, and after being introduced to the adult chair model, she is now a certified adult chair coach. Keep listening to the Age Has No Limit podcast to hear how this math whiz took an unlikely path to HR. She'll break down how she perceives her HR challenges as a complex math equation, and you'll hear for yourself why her clients believe she helps them find the root cause of their pain, and importantly, she helps them find a way through it. Keep listening till the end of the show where she turns the tables and actually interviews me. You'll enjoy learning about Cherie, and of course you'll enjoy this episode. She is yet another example that indeed, age has no limit. It's the Age Has No Limit podcast. We're here to show and prove that your age shouldn't prevent you from designing and living the life you want. I'm your host, Patrice Davis. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Age Has No Limit podcast. I am joined by the lovely Cherie Caldwell, and I'm looking forward to learning more about her, and I'm sure you guys will love um, to hear more about Cherie as well. So Cherie, as I was preparing um, for this episode and learning as much as I could about you, one of the things that stood out the most was a testimonial left by a person named Trey. Yes. And Trey's actual quote was, and I want to make sure I take a look at it, is was that you help them find the root cause of the pain yes and that you help them find a way through it i would love for you to please tell the audience you know what you do and how you help people get to the root cause of the pain and then of course help them work their way through it right well first of all i call myself a transformational leadership Mm -hmm. consultant and coach Mm -hmm. so i'm all about the transformation looking at the changes Mm -hmm. that people might need to make in their life in their workplace, Mm -hmm. all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. And so specifically, I'm also a certified adult chair coach. Mm -hmm. And the adult chair is a model and a methodology for taking a look at things. Mm -hmm. And what I like about that and why I aligned with it is that it's also transformational. Mm -hmm. And it's really helping you sort through your limiting beliefs, Mm -hmm. your fears, Mm -hmm. and finding ways through them. And so going back to it, and part of the adult chair is, you know, learning the things that you understood as a child on your child chair, mm-hmm. the adolescent chair, and then the adult chair is where you look at life and break it down into facts versus story. And then instead of reacting, you're choosing your response. So you're coming from a much more empowered place. And so part of the methodology is looking at why are you triggered and tracing that back to the source of it, 
hmm. as a way of kind of uncovering like what's bothering you. When we're annoyed or triggered by something, there's some kind of belief inside that we need to let go of. Yeah, yeah. So that already, you know, just just in the one minute that she responded, I have questions. <laughs> um, and the first question is, first of all, I've never heard of that methodology. Do you mind telling me what what I don't want to use the word industry? Like, what is the basis? What is the 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 theory or what is uh, is it organizational psychology? What what is the I'd like to learn a little bit. More I would about say that. the basis of it is psychology. Yeah. And mm-hmm. really, um, Michelle Chalfant mm-hmm. uh, was a therapist who studied under all kinds of folks. And she kind of took and, you know, chairs have been in other psychological models mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. So she took a lot of different things that she had learned, Eastern, Western, and kind of shaped this as a way to kind of explain things. Mm-hmm. And so while she's a therapist, she developed a coaching program for us to mm-hmm. leverage the model in terms of providing life coaching skills. Mm-hmm. So it's really fabulous. She has her own podcast called The Adult Chair, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I tripped over that. Mm-hmm. And um, while I was just kind of examining things in my own life, mm-hmm. and then I went to a workshop, and then I decided to become a coach because I found the work mm-hmm. really aligned with anything I wanted to do around transforming life. Mm. So, and source of inspiration. It absolutely is. You're, you're one of the first people that I think I've met with in a long time who actually had, let's say, a basis, and even probably would say probably the perfect you know, academic and professional background for coaching. Right. I mean, and so, um, and I think we're all going to learn a little bit more about why I say that. Um, so one of the things I'd like for you to do, of course, is describe why, and I know HR was your profession, right? why you describe yourself as an HR thought leader. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really what is your unique take? One of the things that people I've learned is that when you become a thought leader, you have a unique take on something in an industry. What is your unique take on HR and you know, and how that does that drive your right. thought leadership? So really funny story. Mm-hmm. The way I chose my career mm-hmm. was through math. Okay. I was outstanding at math. Mm-hmm. Well, at first I suffered through math. Mm-hmm. My dad was a math genius. Mm-hmm. But when it finally clicked, my brain clicked around sixth grade after crying through homework with him a couple of times. But it clicked and I was like, I get this. And so calculus one, two, three, statistics one and two were a breeze. Mm-hmm. And that became my unlikely path mm-hmm. towards human resources. Mm. Because to me, and I guess this is my unique point of view, the issues between a company and its employees and the things that may come up are nothing more than a complex math equation. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. And it takes something to solve it. Mm-hmm. And because I don't usually go back to the cut and paste method of, this looks familiar, I'll try this answer. Mm-hmm. I'm really going through an analysis, sometimes quickly, depending on what it is, mm-hmm. sometimes a little bit more thoughtfully, and looking at what are all the factors here. Are government laws at play? Mm-hmm. Is it the industry at play? Is it the type of role that's at play? Mm-hmm. And does it need to equal profitability, equal customer satisfaction, equal employee engagement? What's what are the things of the two sides of the equation? Mm-hmm. And then that's the way I come forward with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then I think that I've also worked in a, a variety of industries. Mm-hmm. So I've done hospitality, uh, consumer products, durable goods products, you know, retail, mm-hmm. different things. And so I think that's given me unique perspectives mm-hmm. um, when I come to new places to try those things out. I think that, um, you know, number 
That's a very unique approach to um, what one would think is a human-centered, um, um, you know, phenomenon. But it doesn't mean, uh, you know, one of the things I've learned from other people who come, who approach things from a math point of view, is that just because it's human-centered doesn't mean that you can't apply right. math or apply logic right. or apply, you know, an equation right. approach, so to speak. Right. And so that really is eye-opening. I really do appreciate well, which you is breaking also that down. Unique though mm-hmm. is that I'm also very right brain. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Know? Yeah. So then I have that whole strategic mm-hmm. and that whole people side of mm-hmm. it. Like these are the skills. Yeah. And then my essence mm-hmm. is, you know, very right brain. Mm-hmm. So I think it's that bringing it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? That is, that's fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much. So you've provided us some insight into um, just the very, uh, you know, the way that you. Uh, you help people, let's say, identify the pain and help them solve it. You provided some insight into your professional background. Tell me a little bit about Cherie, the woman. Yes. Where you're from. Yes. Do you have any siblings and anything yes. else you'd like to yes. share? Yes. So I am. I'm from Miami. I was born in Miami. Still have lots of people in Miami. Mm-hmm. I also had my dad's people, which were from Tennessee, mm-hmm. near a Nashville area, small town, mm-hmm. Pulaski. Um, mm-hmm. But then I grew up in Columbia, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And Columbia, Maryland was a city that was planned, community. Everybody was from someplace else. Mm-hmm. Unique culture, very interracial, very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, the mailboxes were on the corner, so you would have to go meet your neighbors, yeah. right? Yeah. Real, wow. real different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother had been the oldest of 10, mm-hmm. so she decided that she was cutting it off at two. Yeah. She's like, no, this is enough. <laughs> and so I've had a brother. Unfortunately, um, as you know, my mom passed last year. My brother passed a couple years mm-hmm. ago and my dad a couple years before him. Oh, so, wow. yes, yeah, yes, wow. it's been a journey. Yes, I'm, been I'm, a journey. I'm sure it yeah. has been. And I'm sorry yeah. to hear. Yeah. I knew about your mom. And of course, yeah. your brother hadn't know, didn't know that, that uh, you know, your, past, your father yes. also passed. So I'm really, really, yes. uh, you know. But I have two boys of my own. Mm-hmm. One is 18 mm-hmm. and is just, you know, that's been a whole transformation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. watching boy to man and like seeing that little independent nature come out and yeah. the other one is getting ready to turn 13 mm-hmm. but he's still my let's go do Disney buddy or let's okay. go do Universal buddy and so <laughs> yeah, I like that that's I a like, lot of fun too it is that's a fun age um, and especially since you know I have a son and I have two daughters uh-huh. and I have to tell you yes the dynamic is so interesting uh, across you know I guess the gender is certainly yes. their personality type so, so it is it's a lot of fun kind of figuring out where where, you know where you can maximize your yes. relationship with each child yes. you know and yes. so i do think that's pretty cool and so um you know what was it about i mean i think you mentioned uh, that it was the loss of your mom yes. that um spurred you to relaunch your yes. business so tell yes. me a little bit about that yes. um and and what was it about that loss that made yes. you make that decision so it actually started before she actually passed away. Mm -hmm. My mom suffered from Alzheimer's. And so the person that she was started slipping away. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was hard to watch. It was hard. And then of course it made me go into Mm self-reflection. And I think that's what started it. So a couple years before she passed away, she had to go into full memory care. Mm -hmm. And I started just before then, um, when I had to move her mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So I moved her from home in Columbia, Maryland, because mm-hmm. her functioning by herself wasn't actually safe mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. nor her driving, because she, not that she lost the skill, mm-hmm. but the memory about where she was mm. could be the problem, right? Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting thing watching it happen, because she was still able to be logical and still able to have a sense of humor and still talk and converse, Mm -hmm. but the framework that she was operating off like was different because she might 
forget things or miss things. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved her here, I was just really confronted um, with like my own life. I started reflecting like, am I really living full out? Mm. I can say that my mom hit her bucket list. She traveled, even after my father died, she found another little widowed buddy and they would just go places and do things. And so that was a great example. And Mm -hmm. so me thinking, Am I really living full out? Mm -hmm. Am I living my best life? Am I doing all the things I really want to do? Mm -hmm. And I think that led me to do the self-reflection and start looking at what was holding me back. What were my own limiting beliefs? And that led me to like the Adult Chair podcast Mm -hmm. and other podcasts, Mm -hmm. exploring things with others Mm -hmm. and really saying, you know what? I'm ready to do something different. Mm -hmm. And around that time, I left um, one of my companies and I had a coach and talked about the whole do your own business thing. So that's how I was really ready to do that. And then the pandemic hit, right? Mm. And then I went into full-time memory care. Mm. And I thought, I lost kind of momentum. Mm. So I thought, safe choice, go back to corporate America. Mm. Okay. And um, and I did that for two years, and I found myself at another crossroads. I'm like, you know what? It's time. Yeah. yeah. It's really time to do this. And I remember um, talking to Michelle Chalfant once. I did a coaching session with her, mm-hmm. and she's like, it's just time for act two. Yeah. And that's why I started calling. It's like, okay, I'm in the intermission session mm-hmm. during the pandemic, yeah. but we're going back to act two as soon as possible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is, um, so th- there's a lot of thoughts that I have about that. Number one, it also it reminds me that there's almost everyone that I've uh, met with as a result of this podcast. And of course my own experience, there's always something that makes you realize that, you know, it's time for you to, you know, pursue act two. And I right. like, I really like right. that. Um, um, and, and so I'm, I'm glad you're able to pinpoint exactly what it was and how your mom was a great example. Right. Um, and, you know, I, it just makes me wonder, I mean, just hearing that she traveled quite a bit, that she found her other widower, yes. uh, her widow, widow friend, and they went ahead and traveled. Yes, I love did. to hear that. Yes. So, um, she lived a full life. It she sounds did. like, and, and she's still inspiring you and that's wonderful. Yes. So, um, another thing I wanted to point out that I didn't uh, mention earlier is that I actually used to live in Maryland. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. I used to live in Maryland. I know Columbia well. Yes. I've been on the lake. I've yes. done the whole. So yeah, I'm, I, I used to live in Maryland. I used to live in the DMV area yes. um, in Baltimore for many, many years. So I oh, definitely great. understand. Yes. I old neighborhoods. Yeah. Yes. And I did not know that it was a planned, a community yes. that way. So see, you learn, you yes. learn something new every day. And it's different every time. I don't know if the last time you went back home. Yeah. Um, I went to, I, I, I go up there at least once, once a year. I have a brother okay. that lives there. Okay. Very good. Um, and I, I still like it. Yes. I still like, I still like Columbia a lot. It's, it's grown very, so much. It yes. has. It's a very cozy feel. Yes. It. Yes, uh, it does. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is good. So, you know, the different ways that you find you know and connect with people so what would you say and actually this is actually very similar to the last question so what would you say though um, yes it you know you just described everything that you experience would you say that you have intentionally redesigned your life yes you decided to um, I guess implement act two right how much of that was you know intentional right Right. you know I'd love to learn a little bit more about that so just like a lot of other people, mm-hmm. anytime I'd find myself between jobs, I would consult yeah. and I might pick up a project or two, mm-hmm. but I didn't really 
intend to be in business for myself. Mm-hmm. I was really looking for my next role. Yeah. Mm. You know, and I would say in 2018, I really, really thought about it. I mean, I created an LLC. I started to rebrand, mm-hmm. you know, from this Caldwell Consulting, which was my, you know, fill in that gap between jobs mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. And I think um, because I went back to a corporate role as the head of DEI for a company, mm-hmm. I stalled. Mm -hmm. I did stall. I still wanted to do that. And then when I hit the crossroads here, I went through a real reckoning of letting go of my corporate identity. Yes. Yes. And so I would say that's where the intentional part came in. There was a lot before then of the letting go of of limiting beliefs and doing the work of the adult chair and like really doing the soul searching and reflecting on my mom's life. Mm -hmm. But letting go of that identity was huge yeah. because I had been a success in lots of ways mm-hmm. for a long time. I worked for a lot of Fortune 50 companies. I had you know, huge roles of responsibilities. My last HR role was for like a region in a big company that mm-hmm. the region itself was like five billion oh, wow. in sales over a million customers, yes. you know, 200 locations across seven states. This is like more than some CHROs. Yeah, yeah. But I was just a VP. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like, so it took real thought mm. to kind of go, okay, no, mm-hmm. this this is what I'm going to do. And let's look at it as doing my own company, but having it my own identity and doing it my own way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it's so, I'm, it, there was another person that I met with, and she was talking about how one has to humble themselves um, when they decide to become an entrepreneur, especially when, uh, you know, and this was her sp- um, particular inst- um, uh, experience. It may not be yours, uh-huh. but just the idea of knowing that you come from a comfortable Oh, yes. Six, you know, some in some instances high six figure, sometimes even seven figure position, and then having to uh, redefine who you are because no longer you're no longer you know so and so the VP or right. the, you know the chief right. HRO as you mentioned right. some other folks are and and becoming that entrepreneur trying to figure it all out exactly it's very humbling it because because you know one of the points that she made is that you and another person made is that you were in a company there's a template made for you yes but when you were on your own right and you come from being this position to figuring it out on your own it, it can be humbling it is uh, yeah so I, I don't know if um, humility is the word that we you would use in terms of that transition you had to make from corporate to becoming an entrepreneur yes. but that is definitely the word that I've used I've, I've heard use and certainly one of the words that I use as well right so well, I joke around with people it's like stepping into the unknown yeah, yeah. so it, it, I'd say humility is a good word mm-hmm. but it's like really understanding mm-hmm. That there's a whole newness here and a blank and and you don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. every skill you have like the skills I have, those are awesome. Mm-hmm. But knowing how to run a business and knowing how to do it for yourself and didn't and now having sales and business development mm-hmm. and all those other things, it's a new thing. It is. It is. It's a it new is. thing. And then finding out what's your strengths. Yes. Right? That's the thing, you know. Well finding out what you're competent. You know, especially when you're highly competent. I consider myself highly competent. Am I though the best person that should be doing this thing? Right. And you're looking forward to that opportunity for you to actually shift it on to an employee or contract or whatever that yes. case may be. So those are part of, is this some of the learnings um, yes. that at least I personally um, experienced? So let's go back to the work that you do. Okay. Um, tell me about the one to two client experiences that, you know, that made you uh, say, you know what, I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right path. Yes. I would love to hear about one couple of those. So I have a client, I'm going to try to be respectful so I don't divulge too much, mm-hmm. um, who asked me to come work with their team. Mm-hmm. And there were um, 
five men and one woman on this team, mm -hmm. and they had to work together to make decisions about running a business mm -hmm. um, and around the leadership of the business mm -hmm. and around other things where they might have to invest capital and do some things along those lines. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, mm -hmm. I'll just say they put the fun in dysfunction. Oh, okay. okay. You know? <laughs> Okay. And so there was yeah. clearly some behaviors that needed to be addressed yeah. Yeah. and called out. Mm -hmm. And it's also true that they were all six individually wonderful people. Yes, yes. And yes. so it was the dynamic mm -hmm. that was really dysfunction and how do we address that? Yeah. So I taught them some basic skills around having tough talks and understanding mm -hmm. how to break out fact versus story. Oh, wow. You know, because yeah. sometimes something happens and we jump to this is the way it is. Yeah. But that's only you. Yeah. You don't have the whole truth. Yeah. And so how to teach that phenomenon to the group. And then we looked at their decision-making process. It's like everything does not need to be consensus. Mm -hmm. Let's decide what mm -hmm. is yeah. and who has authority for the other stuff. So basically kind of a racy model looking at who's responsible, who needs to be, you know, informed and mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. So consult mm -hmm. it. So that type of thing. And I felt really positive about the results I had with them. We called out some bad behavior without making people bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, shame and guilt just don't do anything. Yeah, yeah. And I also find that true with the diversity work. Yes. And uh, and really help them to do something different, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so that felt really positive, mm. helping that in. So um, what I'd like to touch on, and I'm so glad you provided that example, one of the things we talked about before we started recording was around DEI. Right. Um, I would love to let you know your thoughts about DEI um, initiatives before um, you know they became au rigueur. Is that the right way to say it? Yes. And then and 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 that and I say that not to belittle, but just because I know that a lot of companies were you know putting lipstick on a pig. Right. Right. Um, and and what your thoughts are about you know basically the attack on DEI. Right. And what your thoughts are about DEI now, and I'll even say DEIA because I've heard people say, well, it's not just about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but then also A, which is accessibility. Right. right. So I would love to hear your thoughts about those three, right. let's say, time frames. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think there was the, you know, post-George Floyd, everybody wanting to participate and say or do something. Mm -hmm. And I think there was the check the box mm -hmm. uh, routine in some companies. There were still some companies who were doubling down, who were already invested, who wanted to make a difference. They were all about inclusive cultures. And you know who they were because they put themselves out there. Mm -hmm. And then they were very serious mm -hmm. about that. Um, and then I think there's been this little backlash that's been going on. And quite frankly, I think it's been going on for a little while, but there's been a denial. Mm -hmm. And this is why I say that shame and guilt have no place, mm -hmm. right? Because first of all, if you're human and breathing, mm -hmm. you have unconscious bias. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. And in our country, we have a whole lot of stuff because generational information has been passed down mm -hmm. the same way. When you're born, you get a pink blanket or a blue blanket. Mm -hmm. You're told what to believe. You're told what how to worship. Mm -hmm. You're told a lot of different things about how life is and what makes life work. Mm -hmm. And then you go to school. Mm -hmm. There's rules mm -hmm. and things about how life is supposed to work. Yes. And then you understand laws. And then you watch TV. Yes. And you see movies. Mm -hmm. All of those things have an impact. Mm -hmm. And then you're carrying around things. So yeah. if we want to have dialogue, and this is where I come in, mm -hmm. we need to do that without shaming and blaming yeah. and creating a safe space for everybody. Yes. And so I feel like the 
anti-woke movement, if you will, yeah. is just in a sense of denial because nobody wants to feel bad, yeah. doesn't want to feel shamed or blamed, mm -hmm. and they forget that there's this work is actually working. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I think um, I read an article, I don't know if you saw it, and I, I wish I'll, I'll try to remember it later on for mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. but there was a comment about DEI professionals can't be ones to shut down, you know, the voices mm -hmm. at all, and they have to be open to some of the things. And I think that's coaching for some people. That's not all people, right? Yes. yes. But I think it's like, how do we keep the dialogue going? And mm -hmm. I feel like now there's you know research about psychological safety and inclusion making a huge difference mm -hmm. around business results yeah. that you get the best of people's mind share yeah. and their cognitive sharpness when they're in an environment where it's safe and they feel included yeah. right yeah. and they're not distracted mm -hmm. by trying to find safety yeah. in their workplace mm -hmm. so to me there's like why wouldn't you want that? Yeah. You know, why yeah. wouldn't you want your team to be fired up, running on all cylinders, and giving you the best yeah. of their brain power mm -hmm. when they're at work? Excellent, excellent. Yeah. So one of the things that um, I'm glad you brought that up because we did talk about that briefly before um, we started recording, and I thought right. that was just so interesting um, and intriguing because I think one of the things I said to you was that is so true because if you're in an environment, a work environment, and you are either feeling not valued as much as some of the other people are number two you feel like you kind of have to look over your shoulder or some something else or you have to put on a mask you can't right. be your full self right you're not you're you're not giving a hundred percent to the organization because your thoughts are being you know your focus your your you know uh, the things that you can accomplish by for the organization are being I would say interrupted by feeling you know uh, slightly paranoid exactly you know exactly. Um, and so that's a very very interesting um, uh, I don't want to I don't know if it's a conclusion and you said this is a theory that was well there was some research done okay and I read an article again so I don't do the research but I certainly synthesize everything I hear and go how do we leverage this yeah to help people get the result they're looking for mm -hmm. and the article talked and there were some researchers who did some work around this mm -hmm. and they talked about the social cognitive need to understand you're in a safe environment. Yeah. Probably comes from caveman, cavewoman days mm -hmm. where it was important to be in the tribe. Yeah. So it isn't just about trying to hide from the saber-toothed tiger, it's making sure I don't get kicked out. Mm -hmm. And is everybody looking at me funny? Are they with me? Are my included? Yeah. That same thing exists today. We do that mm -hmm. in the workplace. Am I safe? Am I gonna be heard? Yeah. Is my opinion valued? Was I interrupted? Did someone talk over me? Yeah. You know, all of the things that you know that maybe you, maybe you weren't safe here. Yeah. But if you don't have that concern, Mm -hmm. and you are free to let that part go because you know you're mm -hmm. a part of the tribe, mm -hmm. you feel secure, mm -hmm. your mind can be very sharp and focused on the problem solving that needs to happen. Yeah. And let's face it, in the workplace, we're going to spend most of our time solving problems, yeah. whether for the customers, whether for the business. Mm -hmm. All of those types of things need us to be at our best, mm -hmm. to give our best, and to maybe get to the best answers. Yeah, yeah. So that is, um, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Again, just thinking about my experiences in, in the corporate world. Um, and, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the corporate as if it was like this bad, bad experience. I do believe, I'm one of those people that believes that, yes, corporate does, uh, you know, sometimes can force you depending on the work environment right. 
not all of us have people like Cherie um, at the helm of our um, human resources departments. Um, um, but in those instances where um, you feel like you have to hide a part of yourself, right? It you know it, it that's the only thing I can say. You know there are a few other issues, of course, the politics about corporate environments. But corporate those kinds of politics and uh, I think happen in almost every environment. They so do. it's not just corporate. But I also do believe that corporate teaches you a lot of things that I think I've been able to take into my own business. Right. Right. And I think we don't talk enough about that, how some of the accountability, some of the things that drive us to be excellent at our work in corporate is, I believe, um, part and parcel of why I've been able to, to make, you know, have the, some of the successes that I've had in my business. I agree. So um, now, you know, what are any of the other mindset or, you know, I was mindset shifts you had to make when you decided to shift from um, employee to entrepreneur, anything else other than some of the details you shared er earlier? Right. In addition to like corporate identity, I was looking at myself as a black woman mm -hmm. in America in general yeah. and letting go of limiting beliefs that may have been passed down yeah. from yeah. generation because that's the internalized work. Mm -hmm. And I think that has actually enabled me to help some of the other people that you saw the testimonials for yeah. looking at what are the internalized racism, homophobia, um, you know, uh, gender issues that we might hold on to yeah. because they've been passed down and repeated. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, and I think that you know there's a lot of that we don't even recognize. You <laughs> yeah. know, yeah. I remember watching a I think it was a TED Talk video, and I wish I could remember the consultant's name. She's a DEI professional, and she said that she got on a plane one time and there was a woman pilot. She's like, yay! Mm -hmm. She said, but the moment the plane had turbulence, she was like, I hope she can fly this thing. <laughs> and she's like, it, and I know better. Yeah, you know, I know better, but my brain went there, and that is is the work is to find out what our own unconscious bias is <laughs> yeah. to kind of examine our own thinking. Yeah. Some of it's internalized and some of it we project back out. And yeah. I think that's the work. That's the work of looking at yourself, understanding what my beliefs are, mm -hmm. why do I believe that, yeah. and how do I shift that? Yeah, you yeah. Know? That reminds me uh, of a flight that I took recently, and I know that's not the main point, but it reminds yeah. me of the thought I had. So the, I was on a flight, um, um, and the pilot was a woman, uh -huh. a very short woman, and I remember thinking to myself, uh, you know, yes, I know she has the capability, right? Yes. She wouldn't be in that position. She wouldn't be in charge of this huge, yes. um, you know, vehicle, you know, plane um, if she wasn't well-trained. But I remember thinking to myself, I would not have thought that had there been a man. Right. Right. A right. taller man. Cause, right. Because now we're thinking height and all the things that we think about, yes. know, quote unquote. I mean, it's just yes. all these things. So that's an excellent, an excellent point. Um, and, but I, I'm ashamed. I, I have never really said that out loud. But that's the part when it, it happens, though. Yeah. Yeah. You go, wait a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where is this belief sitting and how do I let that go? Yeah. Yeah. How do I let that go? I watched another person do a TED Talk. Obviously, I love these. Yes. <laughs> and she did. And I use this in a diversity class I was teaching recently. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And um, she says, close your eyes and do this visualization. She mm -hmm. goes, oh, my gosh, you're late. You're running for your flight. Mm -hmm. You're just going to make it. They're gonna, the pilot's there. He welcomes you on. You <laughs> get to your seat. You sit down. Mm -hmm. You get to your destination. You go out to dinner. And there's a couple celebrating their wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. And you just to kind of acknowledge them. Yeah. And then you go the next morning to... To this great conference where there's a the tech CEO of the year is on stage talking yeah um, and what are you thinking so she says come back and she goes okay did you imagine that the pilot was black oh did you think was your married couple two men that were celebrating yeah. their anniversary and the tech CEO yeah was that a woman yeah <laughs> 
That's it was such a powerful exercise, yeah. and I love that video. Yeah. And it was just, and it's the thing. It's like yeah. you don't know what you don't know till you stop and think sometimes, yeah. and then go, okay, where did that come from? Mm. And we, like I said, there's a socialization process that happens. Mm -hmm. So let's not make ourselves wrong about it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, let's just learn. So my question for you, and I asked, I asked this question, and I decided to you know, lay this out as one of the questions because I guess because it's on my to read list. Yes. So have you read the book I'm Not Yelling? I think the name of the full name of the book is I'm Not Yelling: A Black Woman's Guide to Navigating the Workplace. I have not, but the moment I hear about a good book, I download a sample on my Kindle. Mm -hmm. So I definitely have that one. Mm -hmm. What I just recently read. Um, was uh, a Renaissance of Our Own mm -hmm. by Rachel Cargill. Mm -hmm. oh. I did, and I read mm -hmm. some of these because I was going to a conference where she was going to be a speaker. Mm -hmm. And I also read, um, was it? I'll tell you, Food for the Soul, a Tabitha Brown book. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, and I read Farnoosh's book, so I did a lot of reading before I went there. Yeah, um, yeah. Feeding the Soul by Tabitha Brown, A Healthy State of Panic by Farnoosh Tarobi. Mm. Um, we should all be millionaires yes. by Rachel Rogers, and yeah. A Renaissance of Our Own. Yeah. And then what's on my reading list right now are All the Black Girls Are Activists mm. by Ebony Janice. Yeah. Your First Million by Arlen Hamilton. Wow. Uh, so there go. yeah, I, so I start reading a book and see which one I'll read two at a time and see which one pulls me the most yeah so I'm only on page two in both of those books mm -hmm. but I have downloaded I'm not yelling and yeah. I'm also looking at the psychology of money okay I am a big reader yes that's good <laughs> and I'm glad so what I like that she she came ready with the books right yeah. so um, actually that was gonna be one of my questions what books do you recommend so yes. she's very very uh, prepared thank you so much I'm looking forward to to re you know listening to this so I can actually record some of those yes I met Arlen Hamilton last oh. year um, at the uh, you know the conference that you mentioned yes. uh, the first uh, time that they actually had that conference um, and yeah and Rachel Cargill was there last year as yes. well and so you know I hadn't thought to look into the books that she's written so definitely looking forward to to reading a few of those yes. thank you so much for that yes. now as we approach the end of this podcast yes. um, I'd like to know what you think an age has no limit life looks oh like oh my gosh it's mm -hmm. being unstoppable yeah you know I I'm not thinking about retirement. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I want to have fun. Yeah. One time, again, I said, I'm a big reader. Yeah. Don't ask me when, but years ago I read this book and mm -hmm. the guy was talking about your health and if you're strong at it mm -hmm. and how he knew of a club where there was these 80-year-olds mm -hmm. that were skiing down the mountains racing. <laughs> and I'm like, I like to go skiing with my kids, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so that's one of the things. I want to do that when I'm 80. Yes. I want to still be doing that. Yes. I want to still it. be and I'm following my mom's footsteps, going around and hitting all the things my bucket list has far as travel yes. goes right yeah i want to see the world i've had advantages to see a lot of it mm -hmm. but it's a big world there's so much more yes you know so i really really want to do that but age has no limits it's just like playing full out yeah and that was the examination right mm -hmm. that i did like mm -hmm. wait am i am i living my best life yeah. or am i just kind of going through the motions <laughs> you know and that's a sad answer when you go i'm going through the motions yes. so let me do something about that yeah let me do something about that so yeah stepping into a business doing something new yes and of I'm course in. hitting all the things well as many of the things on her bucket list so yes. you mind telling us one or two of the places okay it, your top two destinations that are on your on your okay. bucket list so the first one is like more than one destination okay so mm -hmm. my youngest and i have an affinity for disney yes. and so we love amusement parks theme parks haven't met a roller coaster we don't like <laughs> so we want to hit all the disney parks in the yeah. world yeah so the oh, first will be that. the asian tour we'll yeah. do shanghai hong kong and tokyo 
Tokyo, because if you're on that side of the world, you might as well, you might as well just do them yeah, all at once. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> then there's Paris and California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, we've done Orlando a zillion times. Yes. We're, we live close to Orlando, as you know. Yeah. So we'll do Paris and California. Those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. But I like seeing things. I haven't seen the pyramids yet. Mm. My parents did that. Yeah. I haven't seen the Sydney Opera House or, mm. seen, you know, Beautiful. run into the outback of Australia. I don't know if I really want to do outback. Uh, I don't really like roughing it. Oh, really? But I do kind of, yeah, no. <laughs> but I even to see it, it's so beautiful. Right, oh that my God. part. Yes, right, yes. and then just getting kind of what are the Aborigines doing yes. and what is that lifestyle like and like educating myself on that. Yes, And yes. then there's all kinds of cool monuments down on the South American part. Yes. Um, uh, Machu Picchu. Yes, yes, that's exactly the one that's coming to yeah, mind. Yeah. And um, all of those things, so... Mm-hmm. I want to see the Northern Lights. Oh, well, yeah. Now, yeah. I have to get ready because it's super cold wherever you go to go see yeah. them. So I got to sort that part out. Yeah. But that's another thing, too. Just kind of enjoying that. And, and maybe going to Alaska and walking on a glacier. I've had friends do that. And I'm like, uh, I'm in. Okay. I want to try it. So I know that's more than two. Yeah. And the list still goes on. I have to think about what else I want to do. But yes. Two of those things scare the life out of me. So I used to be that girl that loved all the roller coasters. Yes. Um, um, and I always tell the story that when my son uh, was 12, I took him and a few of his friends friends to a local um, theme park and I don't know what it is I don't know if it was because I'm a, I'm a mom and so I'm always thinking about what could go oh yes yeah and then uh, that was bottom line is that was the last time I was on a roller coaster the ones that turn you upside down and flip you yeah oh so yeah I my hats off to you <laughs> my hats off to you for still you would not those. have wanted to go on the universal roller coaster mm-hmm. we went to there's one that turns you upside down it goes over I think it's a Velocicoaster. coaster <laughs> okay no, you can catch a YouTube video but that might be as close you want to get yeah. but it was fun that's probably it's gonna be as close as I get, but no, no. But I, I, I think your 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 bucket list is fantastic, and um, I'm sure you'll be able to actually hit as many of them as you'd like, yeah, and change it if you'd yes. like. You know, you can always take things off, put it back on, yeah. however you want to do it. This is truly um, your act too, yeah. And I'm so glad that um, despite the losses, yes. you are moving forward, yes. and Thank you. Um, and I'm again thankful that Cherie decided to spend some time. Um, with us and tell us about her no limit life. So um, I hope she's been yet another example that we've had to had a chance to present and share with you as people who've decided to, you know, live their lives to the fullest and whatever it is that triggers right that that decision they've taken action on that yeah. decision and are actually living that life. Let's keep the recording on and see if you want to throw any of this in. So okay. Wanna, tell me about your age has no limit. Oh, I Because I want to get to know you, too. Oh, cool. So what my age has no limit life? Well, I would say my age has no limit life is living a life um, without feeling confined. Oh, yes. Um, a life where I don't feel like I have to conform. Um, I, I've always defined myself as a, a nonconformist. I like that. And but, but, but I realized I became very much of a conformist when I had to go to work and, mm-hmm. and turn myself into someone else. Mm-hmm. I felt like very much like a conformist when I felt like I couldn't be my big full um, you know uh, animated self as a mom for 18 right. years right I felt like yes they could see me as a fun mom but I was also the let's get it done mom right. the structure mom you know the mom that had to shuttle them from here and there I mean so I felt like a lot of my personality was kind of restricted and right. you know and stuffed into a box and one of the things I always describe even my very first uh, podcast episode was feeling like I was in an un- boxing process. Ooh, yeah. yes. I'm coming out of the box little yes. by little. Um, 
the divorce, I was married to a really a good person, but not the right person for me. He right. was very, very rigid, and I became very rigid as a result. Right. So that's what I mean by not continuing to conform. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that really, you know, I'm a big personality, and I think I've just kind of Yes, in, in, I'm from the Caribbean, and in, 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 in I'm specifically from Jamaica. And I feel like the word that we use is "small up yourself." Ooh. So I had to small up myself for a number of years. And I now, love that word. Yeah, I yeah. totally get that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I think that is true of a lot of women. Yeah, and I think that's the journey. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah, to reverse that process. It is. It is reversing that process yeah. is a journey, and and travel. Travel is um, something. I always say that if I um, if I'd known more about anthropology, mm. I probably would have become an anthrop- anthropologist. Oh, wow. I love culture that much. Yes, and so I travel to explore and 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 you know kind of throw myself into a culture. I like that too. Yeah. So um, I'm a culture. I love culture and. Um, and so that's a part of my no no limit life. Doing this podcast from every location where I can is a yes. part of my no limit life, um, and even making a part of the you know integrating uh, some business elements into that is, like that. is something um, that I'm trying to do as well. Kind of merging some things that I've had on the sh- bookshelf for a while with this podcast and making that come alive again as yeah, a result. Yeah, that's bringing it all to fruition. Yes. There you go. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah, that's 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 me in a in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. This I has been a lot of fun. Good, good, good. Thank yeah. you. Thanks again to Cherie, and thank you for listening. And as I always say, age has no limit. 